Good early evening. Today is Monday, April 22nd. It is Earth Day and it is also a Happy New Year Day to me, to you, because this is the first podcast for There's Coffee here of 2019. Give it up for me and give it up for yourselves for being here for the 2019 debut. I know it's April. Didn't nobody ask you to comment on it. However, this is the first welcome for my audience from me to you. So happy new year in case you missed it because you did because, well, this is my first podcast um, in 2019. So I am really happy to be doing this again. Um, shout out to a few people. One of my mentors, uh, Tamika Lachey Morales for constantly putting uh, subtle hints and a subtle foot on my neck to go ahead and make sure that I am getting my word and out there and talking um, and not letting life stop me from doing God's work of talking and sharing and motivating and so forth. And um, shout out to uh, my boy Dre for uh, the Smith Center for Community Advancement um, for the great talk that we had the other day. Um, which is one of the things that I want to go ahead and talk about now. So one time, hope this message blessed you and go ahead and listen and reshare as you see fit. Um, so let's go ahead. Oh, one more thing. Shout out to Beyonce and homecoming and fam you all up in the building. Rattlers, what's up? Okay, so we are going to do a totally different podcast on Beyonce and homecoming and HBCUs and celebrating all that great blackness that was all up through Beachella 2018. It was epic. However, back to the topic at hand, which is talking about environment and creating an environment. So um, I'm in Chicago and recently there was like a whole bunch of arrests for kids during spring bake that was just out there hanging out, whatever. There's different perceptions of what is going on. Some people said that the kids weren't doing anything or whatever. They were just holding their congregating and that they were being, um, you know, targeted or profiled just for being black and being out in the streets. Other people said that they were down there and they saw some of the things that were happening. Some of the videos show people like the kids, like they just out here and acting up. And all of a sudden, like cops came and made arrests and everything. And it was it was really hard to watch for a couple of reasons. Um, one, because of what I just said, you know, uh, there's a lot of, I guess, perceptions and a lot of people have fears in regards to our youth or whatever. Uh, a lot of our youth that are going around here, um, even talking with my boy Dre, um, who runs this program, who works with uh, kids, who's in the schools, talks about the fact that, you know, life is a lot different for kids now than it is back when we were younger and that we could just go out and apply for a job right there, fill out a paper application, let someone see you, talk to you, whatever it is. It's a whole different MO nowadays. And um you know, I was talking to him because I was like disturbed and fearful because I was like, it, it's creating almost an environment for chaos because it was people down there saying that they were snatching phones and acting up. And it's just like, it's a lot of spent energy um, that 
these kids are just out here like wilding. Um, and I don't know everything that it was that went on. So I can't accuse everybody of being out there. I mean, sometimes, and I know as being a youth, shoot, wrong place, once, wrong time. You want to hang out with some of your friends and some of your friends is out there and some of your friends ain't. Um, but then you get caught up in the mix and it really doesn't matter. Um, so I'm sure that happened with some of these kids. I'm sure some of the kids that got arrested weren't out there. But I mean, but then again, you saw a lot of them like, protest and wilding. Some of them were fighting each other and it was scaring other people who were in the area who were just there um, touring down there with their families. And when I say other people, I'm not just talking about white folks either. Like it was black security guards who were disturbed showing videos and everything, other people out in the streets. So I'm not trying to make it a race thing, but what I am concerned about is in regards, well, I'm not trying to make it a race thing, but I do understand that it is a race thing because a lot of our youth in these urban, disenfranchised, poor areas in the hood, um, you know, mentality-wise, um, there's a lot going on. Uh, you know, I was they talk about how um, things are like instant gratification for kids like everything comes to them so quickly you know what I mean like we had to work and scrimp and save for like what was it a Sony Genesis or whatever shout out to Sonic um and you know these kids got $800 phones just coming out the back like just being given to them or whatever and everything is such about instant gratification and there's no like slow down and then you add into that that there aren't really any groups or any things for these kids to go to and even if they do there are so many protocols and things attached to it and it's in that that I really want to talk about environment and then stress um, with the conversations that were happening in Facebook um, there was a lot of that talking about how even if there were programs and things, things are structured to a certain way that, you know, you have to come in, apply, um, comply by the rules or else you can't be in the program. Same for it is for jobs. You got to come in, you know, you get a job, you know, there's all these rules and a handbook and everything that comes to you and you got to know how to act. It's not even so much getting the job, it's keeping the job. And you know how I got to know how to act, speak with managers and things like that. And I don't think a lot of our youth are really in the environments where they actually learn those things. And in fact, I know they don't because I actually did a speaking panel at DePaul not too long ago in regards to um, inner city youth and helping them with job programs. And uh, mine was on, as I work in HR, not just uh, getting the job and keeping the job. People don't realize that you have 90 days pretty much to be hired and fired at will. It's great that we have these programs that know how to dress people up and get them in a tie and get your resume kind of going right so it's not written on notebook paper or you don't have your name is so-and-so wiggles and quotes and then your last name. That really happened. It happened, y'all. I got a resume and the middle name was Wiggles and it was in quotes. Right hand of God, I ain't lying. It's bad. Um, <laughs> but anyway, um, you know, so you got the people with the resume right, and they don't have the, you know, the um, uh, Keisha popping tags 85 to infinity uh, at gmail.com email addresses. Uh, you get them in, and then, you know, the first day, 
you're getting hit with orientation, you're getting a handbook, you're getting, uh, which all these policies, sexual harassment, the attendance policy, um, how you come in that your dress code and all these other things. And a new environment is very stressful. It can be very stressful, especially when you are not in that type or you've never been into really a professional environment. Um, with when I was talking to these uh, people who are over these programs and I know that mentor kids and things like that, you know, um, it, it is they come from these environments where uh, dysfunction begets dysfunction. You ever read in the Bible in the beginning where it's like so-and-so begat, so-and-so and so-and-so begat and all these begatting going on. That's how kind of depression works. Depression begets the other people and it's kind of like this ongoing cycle. And within this ongoing cycle of depression and PTSD or whatever, you become in these environments which are considered normal for you, but they're not necessarily normal. For example, if... um if Philip, who is in third grade or whatever, Philip's friend might get shot and killed, well, um, on accident, you know, during a drive-by or whatever, that affects Philip, not to mention the rest of the classmates. If you're in that area and then, you know, you're coming home and so-and-so got shot, but then someone last week also got shot, your uncle's in jail, somebody's grandmama down the street, you know, is selling drugs and someone's aunt or whatever it is. And it's this ongoing like environment that you all are in where all this stuff is going on and it's normal for you because that's the only thing that you know. But just because it's normal doesn't make it good. And just because it's that normal doesn't make it right. And just because it's normal does not mean that there's not an area of dysfunction in and throughout that piece. Um, you know, we're talking about people who have had kids throughout, you know, the eighties and nineties or whatever. What was it? Uh, Robin Harris had that joke about having a, what are you crack baby test tube baby or whatever. Yeah. It's funny to talk about crack babies and everything else until you realize that, um, it's funny till it's not, you know, because we do have people who have had kids, you know, first of all, we have people who were born addicted to drugs and then having to go through that. We have people who were born with certain mental defects and none of that has been addressed. And then they turn around and due to whatever it is, their environment or not knowing, they turn around and have kids, but they never had help for their own issues. So your dysfunction is passed down to the uh, your child and then you know, shoot, y'all saw Precious. I mean, people hate to talk about that, but that's a, that is a common story. Unfortunately, um, there's a thousand of those stories, not just necessarily Precious and not just molestation, but I mean, there's a ton of that where you are in this environment that is so dysfunctional, but everybody in your life is kind of in this same dysfunction. You don't get out of your hood, all your friends and people to say your church is in that area and everything else. And so, it creates this space to where growth and development really aren't happening for our people like that. And that's a really big problem. This whole kids don't have nothing to live for. You're right. Because all this bad issues and all this dysfunction and the energy in that area, it's bad. People don't care. Why should they care? What are they going to go ahead and care about? They're not going to have a future. They're thinking they're not going to have jobs. They don't even know if they're going to live past the age of 16, 18, 21. You know, 
these people, kids don't even realize that you can grow up and have just regular basic lives um, that don't have to be drama filled. And if you popping bottles, you could go ahead and pop bottles or Corbell or whatever it is with your friends and family at picnics. Like don't know that you could just have regular fun and that everything in life doesn't have to be an extreme. You don't have to be dead broke and struggling. And then the only way to get out of it is if you ball and rich or a ball player or anything like that or whatever. There's levels to this shit. You don't just got to rap to go ahead and get out of the hood. Um, what's also sad is that within dysfunction, um, hurt people hurt people. So we have all these instances where even if a child wants to go ahead and like a young adult wants to go ahead or wants to improve or, you know, wants better for themselves, sees how things are bad, like, you know, selling drugs and all that other stuff and not just hanging out in the street, sees that those things are bad. They could have an environment where, unfortunately, they don't get positive reinforcement like that. You know, oh, you're going to go ahead and get a job. I mean, I don't know why you're going to get fired. You can't keep a job anyway. You're not that smart. People do that with their kids. Um, unfortunately, not everybody is of sound mind. A lot of these kids are growing up in a very abusive household, physically and mentally. And so going in and trying to get a job already leaves them um, you know, they don't know the rules. They come in, they're stressed out. They're wondering how things are going to go. Uh, and it's almost like we're setting them up for downfall because you're getting them in the door, but they don't have the tools to go ahead and keep and sustain the job. I've had so many conversations with, um, young black adults or whatever shit, some older black adults as well too. Um, from a corporate standpoint, one, because I am the first, sometimes I'm still, still, still 2019, still the only black and or woman in a managerial position within corporate. And this has had been consistent for at least 15 plus years, if that, um, so because of that, and trust me, I know I've been called probably a coon and a sellout because just off of perception, because who's the white, I mean, who's the black girl that finally ended up being with all the black folks, What I mean, white folks, but you know, it's neither here nor there. Once they realize that I'm not that or whatever their perception of me is not that, um, eventually they feel comfortable enough to talk to me or eventually I, you know, they come to me for advice and things like that. Um, or I take them aside because it's like no one gives them any information like, yo, you mad at what's going on at work? You just can't go and yell at your boss like they see what's going on. They need to go ahead and fix it. Do they really know what's going on? How are they going to go ahead and fix it? You don't talk to them and you're yelling at them. I'm being disrespected. They all telling me what to do and shit. You're supposed to tell you what to do. They're your manager and you're supposed to go ahead and do your job. There's rules. They can't be going ahead and singling you out. Man, I was late. They all up on me in regards to being late, man. You know, they don't know the bus was late. No, it wasn't even my fault. They don't care. Your managers don't care. And guess what? They don't have to care about the train being late and all that other stuff or whatever. If you constantly late, listen. Out the door. We got policies and procedures and things like that. And a lot of people coming into the workplace aren't ready for those things. Environment. Environment is everything. When you don't have the tools to go in prepared for a new change, 
and the new environment that you're not used to. You know, I grew up, my mom was also one of the first, one of the first black professionals, one of the first black women or whatever it is when she used to work PR. So when I would go to the offices with her as I'm younger, you know, she would teach me certain things or I would see professional conduct or she would help me, you know, with interviews or just in general conversation. My mom sometimes talked to me like I was an adult in the room. Me and my brother, we've known how to give firm handshakes since the early ages of, um, shoot, I can remember from as far back as being eight years old, you give a strong handshake. You don't give a limp one. Nobody wants anybody with a limpy handshake. Um, you know, how to go ahead and dress properly for an interview and things like that. Like I came from that environment just with my mom. Um, and she really didn't have anybody to go ahead and teach her those things. She learned the hard way. So she made sure she passed those things along to me. Um, and it's so normal for me, but then I realized that not a lot of people kind of grew up like that, or maybe my circle of people kind of did, but not a lot of them. Um, once we get out of my comfort in my circle, um, it's a lot of, uh, young adults or whatever who don't have that, don't have that now. So how can they turn around and know exactly how to act if they're in environments where they don't know what it is to do? They don't know how to go ahead and interview. They don't know how to answer, uh, any type of questions. They come in nervous. They, you know, um, shoot, I had somebody come in today, um, to interview for a position and it's like, look. Do what you do on your off time. We don't even drug test, but don't come in the door smelling like we smoke after the interview. If you have it on you, you're going to need to leave it in a car or hide your bag somewhere because your loud is loud and we can smell it in the interview. And I can you could possibly be one of the best people for the position. However, coming in the gate, that's not it. So there you are. Um. So it's these environments that, you know, you really think of those things really need to be nurtured. I remember also the conversations that were talking about like, you know, these kids is bad. You know, somebody needs a foot on their neck. They need their butt whipped or whatever it is and things. And while I don't dispute the fact that people need discipline and discipline can come in the form of a whooping or a spanking. Trust me, I, I am a product of whoopings and spankings or whatever. Some of them might have been a little bit much or over the top due to the fact that, you know, there was a lot of dysfunction going on in my house. Some of them might have been lightweight abusive. Some of them not. Whatever. However, um, along with discipline, if you're going to spank, comes nurturing and love and lessons and things that come after that. If you, um, I just finished listening to Trevor Noah's um book on Audible. Great book. If you have a chance, if you don't do audiobooks, I would highly recommend his because his accent is great. He gets to talk in all the tones. He speaks multiple languages. It's a really good book. Um, but in that he talked about how, you know, his mom, he was like a wild kid and he said he got beat all the time. He was always in trouble. He always got beat by his mom, but he said he understood that there was some type of love and care and it was a discipline. And then he talks about his stepfather and when his stepfather, you know, hit him one time, he was like, yeah, no, he could instantly tell the difference. This wasn't about discipline or teaching him something. This was about power and aggression and things like that and anger, even though he did do something wrong. It was something more than just not giving a valuable lesson. And 
you know, discipline without any type of positive reinforcement or love or positive environment afterwards ain't shit but abuse. Some of these kids are getting whoopings as what y'all like to call it. Some of these people are getting the belt. Some of these kids are getting hit and knocked out. Some of these kids are getting punished and put in the house, but there's nothing else going on for them in that space and in that house. So it's nothing but abuse. Us going around talking about how some of these kids need to get their ass beat or whatever. That's not going to help. That's just another person coming in, whooping their ass, which for them is reinforcement for them doing something wrong or there being something wrong with them. Discipline is needed. Not saying that some of these kids don't need butt beat. Some of these, listen, we know some of these kids, their parents have not been able to discipline. Some of them have not wanted to discipline. Um, some parents are just lost and don't know what it is to do. Um, but we got to find a way where we can be, I don't know, where we can go ahead and address what's going on. Like not just put a bandaid on the problem, you know, like get to the root of it. Why is this happening? And a lot of it is, is that true story. We're not handling the depression and the PTSD and all that negative energy that is going on in our environments. We're not breaking the cycles. We are not breaking the cycles of abuse. We are not breaking the cycles of pain. We are not breaking those cycles. We don't even realize that there's anything going on. How can you realize that you are suffering from something if that is your normal and everybody else is doing the same thing? How can you realize yourself medicating yourself with alcohol and drugs when everybody else around you is also doing the same thing? So y'all just think that y'all just relaxing or cooling. How can you think that not think that you using random sex or acts with people or whatever to check out that that's not something that you're not doing to address a deeper symptom? And all these things now are starting to come out because it's levels of levels of lack of care. There are levels and levels of lacks of parenting. There are levels of lack of being able to take care of each other. And honestly, it's tiring sometimes and it's exhausting. If you ever go into the hood, and I think I've talked about this before, about the energy of depression. Uh, and when it's a lot of it around you, a lot of pain, you can feel it. Some of these neighborhoods that I draw that I drive through, you can feel how sad it is, or you can feel the lack that's there. Um, sometimes you can really feel how um, off it is. How I don't know. Maybe this is just me, but sometimes the hood hurts. Because you get into these environments and they become stressful. And that whole thing about depression hurting, it is a real true statement. I know that from how I grew up. I knew that from talking to other people. I learned that from learning more about my own walk with depression and things like that. So I really feel like there needs to be this push, this real big talk about how we as a community, and when I say we, I'm talking about black people, I'm talking about brown folks, I'm talking about black folks, I'm talking about black folks, um, really need to work on taking care of ourselves better mentally. Um, 
I know we talk about the fact that, you know, we have some people who cleaned up their act, you know, they are really good now, you know, like they were wilding back in the days or they were bad on drugs and they were out there on the streets, but now they're not like that now and they're good, but you got good in the last, like maybe three, four years, but your kid is 20. And so for a long amount of their life, and I know people don't want to talk about this and this ain't a judge. This is just facts. For a long part of your life, you weren't there or weren't a good positive influence for your child. And now people want to come ahead and go back and say, well, you got to respect me because I'm your mom and your dad. Nah, it don't work the same way. You can honor someone. I honor my father because he is my father, because he is a construct of my DNA. But uh, all I got to say is, Hurt people, hurt people, and dysfunction is passed down for another time and another day. But I love him. Um, but that whole having the respect and honor and his rules or whatever as my father. Okay, yeah, no, you ain't do no real father-daddy work. So it's going to be kind of hard to hold you and look at you in that same light as a father, care, provider, that type of respect that it is that you want. That's not happening. I'm going to give you respect that it is that you are as a person. I'm going to give you respect as the fact that we have the same bloodline. I'm going to give you respect to the fact that that's what Jesus would want me to do to go ahead and give respect and, you know, like that. But as far as having to respect who you are as a parent, that is a problem. And just because you hold the title and just because someone has your DNA does not mean that you can put that on them if you haven't put in any other work on the side. Um, and some of y'all know that y'all got some friends, men and women, who are deadbeat parents. And these kids are out here a product of this deadbeat dysfunction and they're out here wilding and then y'all want to act like y'all don't know why we're in the situation that we're in with these kids. It is a combination of all of these things, lack of environment, lack of resources, um, and not really addressing that need as a whole, just hoping and kind of putting our heads in the sand and hoping that it doesn't happen that way. Or just being like, I ain't got time to deal with these people. I'm moving out the hood and I can't fault people when things happen that um, have been harmful to their families, you know, if people have gotten hurt or harmed or even killed at the arms, uh, at the hands of some of the people in their neighborhood or that they know, or like, I can't fault you for not wanting to be, you know, back in that same environment, not coming back to Chicago. If you've seen so much of that, I can't hate on that. But at the same time, we do know that it is a lot more that's going on that is being magnified and manifested when you see things like that. Um, what happened with the kids? Shoot, apparently it just happened also this past weekend. It's been going on. Snatch and grabs, smash and grabs, and all that other stuff or whatever. It's wild. And, um, you know, these parents and their children don't have the tools and haven't taken the tools and the time to really find out what their anger issues are and what the depression is and the sadness. We haven't stopped self-medicating to really realize that there is a bigger problem, not just something that you can just pray away. You mean you can pray for it, but you know, you need therapy, you need real meds, you need something, you know, you need to release, you need to get out of your environment. Um, you need some positivity, you need some crystals and some chakras, you need a realignment, some something, you need to go to yoga or whatever. You got to find a way to let it go and heal. And that is the step to breaking dysfunction. 
Um, you know, when I talk about these kids finding these jobs, I'm like, you know, if you really want to find a way to really help break cycles, it's, you know, um, sometimes with work, the exposure that you get going into new neighborhoods, meeting different people. I mean, like I said, I am usually the only black and or female that's worked all over Chicago and has barely have overlapped. And I've met people from different neighborhoods, been exposed to different types of food and drinking and just you never know what you don't know until you are able to go out there. But you can't go out there either if you are afraid or if you're uncomfortable or if you don't have tools to really be able to navigate. You know, people need to understand that code switching is a thing. I remember when I was at that program giving a talk and there was a man who um, was in jail and um, he now works with teens and uh you know, people trying to, that have come out of jail and really trying to give jobs. And one of the things that I touched on was code switching. Um, you know, I have uh, a very white boss. He's the whitest white man like ever. He's really white, um, but he's cool. He knows about, you know, um, we've had really good talks about white privilege and things like that or whatever. We go out to lunch, we joke and everything or whatever. He's cool. I like him. He's not coming to my kid's fifth birthday party. I'm not going to, you know, his family's family reunion. He's not getting invited to mine. And it's fine. And it's cool because we can have a work relationship and it'd be good. I respect who he is. He respects who I am, what it is that we do. And we don't have to go ahead and be friends or be friendly outside of work. It's okay to have work relationships. It's okay to be one way at work and not be that same way when you're with your family. I can be way more loosey-goosey. I'm way more... Uh, verbal and talkative doing this than what it is at my job. And it's okay to be able to navigate in those worlds like that. Not everybody acts the same within their job that they do outside of it. Uh, and when I said that in regards to code switching, he was like, yeah, you know, code switching in the streets will get you killed. And I was like, exactly. So that's why we need to work on changing that mentality and exposing our kids and our youth to something different so they can go ahead and break cycles. Getting these jobs in, opening up to opportunities, you know, being able to pay for a better education. I um, have a friend who, because she scrimped and scraped, scrimped and scraped, um, because she had the opportunity to move up within her company and become, you know, eventually become a director, she's able to break the signs of debt because she's all in debt through her college and degrees or whatever. Her daughter, she was able to go ahead, take those lessons, teach her, be able to go ahead and invest in her child. And her child is on a full ride scholarship for sports and athletic. I mean, for um, education and athletics. These are tools. These are things to go ahead and break a cycle. It's nothing wrong with that. It's nothing wrong with being able to go out and find that you can have a job where you could go ahead and have a career and create a different life for yourself. It's cool to go ahead and get money and then be like, oh, okay, more money, more problems. Oh, shit. Why am I still upset? Maybe I can now afford to go see a therapist because I still got some anger issues that I need to know I need to let go of. Maybe I can go and start going to yoga because I can afford it because I'm not working four or five jobs to make ends meet. I got this one job that pays well and then it also gives me the affordability to be able to do things that I want and or need for my life. That's all I pretty much got to have to say on that. Um, like I said, it's my first one coming back and 
you know, I just really, really, really want to help and bless us with knowing that we are here to help each other and we are here to help guide each other and to be a light to each other. And I'm only speaking from what it is that I know. And I can tell you that, you know, when they talk about it in the Bible, what a house is built off of what rocks are saying, that your foundation is everything in regards to your growth. Um, and if you don't have a solid foundation um, and even know a good environment to go ahead and rise, I mean, shit shouldn't have to be that hard. And if it hasn't been hard for you, you need to go ahead and learn how to give back and help people. If you see, especially see yourself um, in that, to go ahead and speak to it and help give back. Um, so I really, really, really <laughs> want us to do more in regards to our mental health um, because it's important because stress is out here. Stress and depression are a tool of the devil. Um, I say it all the time and it's a real life thing because anything that makes you feel isolated and alone um, is a horrible thing because it makes it so that you can't even see and or receive the light and the help around you. So here's to being a light shiner in 2019 and going forward. I love you. You can't do nothing else about it. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast and sharing. And I will be talking to you all again very soon. Peace.